Have on, give me your clap so I can scream during it. Everyone in camp has got the clap. Hey, what, what? Diamonds! <laughs> Go, Diamonds! Diamonds! Woo! <laughs> yeah, g'day everyone. Welcome back to the Gold Coast Titans Frontline Podcast. My name is Dane from Clarkie's Rugby League Column. I'm joined every week by my co-host, Blaze from BKR Sports. We are two of the biggest Gold Coast Titans fans on the planet. We absolutely love our club and our community. And our aim is to bring you a quality podcast every single week. Before we get into everything this week, Blaze, how are you going, mate? Yeah, going all right, man. Back to Gold Coast now, even though it is rainy weather here. It was a beautiful day in Canberra on Saturday when we were there. Absolutely stunning. Got colder in the night, obviously. But back to the Gold Coast and uh, it's rainy weather. Unfortunately, we did lose that game. And I guess the, the weather does represent that. But the fact of the matter is, is that Queensland is still God's country. But that's why I'm wearing my Queensland Maroons jersey at the moment. Or jumper, sorry. And, uh, you know, now we just got to look forward towards that Dolphins game this week. Yeah, big game for the Dolphins. You referenced Origin. Big game there. We'll be missing some of our stars. And it's nice to see you've thawed out since Canberra because you weren't lying out. Even though I live here, that was bloody cold. Man, uh, I, towards- the, yeah, the nighttime was cold. Like, I know, obviously, we went for, we went for dinner afterwards. And, and my goodness me, like, it was it was freezing outside. I was When you're not from Canberra, you're not from a cold area. Obviously, the Gold Coast is not a cold place. You just you you always do that thing where you breathe out and you can just see you know the <laughs> you can just see the the mist coming out of your mouth right and it's just yeah it was uh, it was quite the cold but the fact of the matter is at least it was good during the day I would have freaked out if we had the seven thirty p.m. game though and that's what I was gonna say God bless whoever made the NRL draw <laughs> you stuffed us over with some really hot Sunday or Saturday arvos on the coast but uh, you mm. saved us in Canberra that's for damn sure. Listen, guys, we've got a new segment this week. We're going to talk Titans news each week, just the biggest points of the week. We're not going to go too into detail, but, um, of course, we do receive some messages of people saying, what do you think about this? And we feel like the podcast is a good avenue. Uh, let's start away with Toby Sexton. I know you were uh, very close to Toby and actually had a personal relationship with him um, there. Effective immediately to the Bulldogs until the end of 2024. I want to get your thoughts initially on the move from Toby. Yeah, look, it was a it was a tough one. You know, I love I love what Toby does. We had a good conversation last night where he obviously is off to the Canterbury Bulldogs now immediately. He's actually in the team this week for the Bulldogs mm-hmm. partnering Burton in the halves. Burton goes back to the six and Toby goes to the seven. I love Toby, man. I you know I've really appreciated his work ethic and what he's trying to achieve with the Gold Coast, what he was trying to achieve, sorry. And it's really unfortunate that it just didn't work out. If there was ever a player in the Gold Coast Titans history that I really desperately wanted to see succeed, it actually was Toby. So, yeah, look, it was a, it was a rough one. You know, I'm really going to miss the guy. But in the same sense, you also have to understand that we've spoken about this before, that Toby probably just wasn't going to be able to get it done for the Gold Coast. We've got Tanner Boyd, who we're going with in our seven. We've got Tommy Weaver coming through the system. You know, there's just... Unfortunately, it doesn't seem like he's going to be able to get that opportunity that he once did have. And I do believe that was because he was thrown into the deep end at the literal worst time in the club. Like, that was a tough time to come in. Towards the end of the 2021 season, he got some form going there alongside an experienced Haas partner. And then 2022, we decided to really push a younger spine in the likes of fullback Jaden Campbell, six being AJ Brimson, seven being Toby Sexton, and the nine being Aaron Clark. And we've obviously found out that Aaron is not a nine. AJ is our one. You know, we've got Kieran now. But the fact of the matter is, is that 
it, the whole spine was messed up. And unfortunately, Toby, again, well, yeah, he was thrown into the deep end at the wrong time. I still believe he has an absolutely unbelievable amount of potential. You know, based off of ceiling, I think that he can hit a higher ceiling than Tan, but I think that Tan is definitely the better NRL product right now, and that's who we're going with in our system, and I believe he suits our system more than Toby. So I'm really grateful uh, for what Toby has done with the club. I'm really grateful that he's got an opportunity elsewhere to prove himself, and I wish nothing but the best for him, man. Yeah, I'm completely in the same boat as that. I think with building an NRL roster, it's all about timing, right? And Tom knows he's not quite ready for NRA yet. He's happy to bide his time. Tanner right now, I agree, is the better halfback than Toby. But if I had to say ceiling-wise, I actually came out with a with a follower take this week and responded to this and said, I think Toby will be the best of all three of them if I have to make the call right now. Um, I've got to admit, though, every time he came in in 2021 when Fogarty was unavailable and when he did come in for us this year, he was genuinely superb. Um, yeah. I remember in 2022 being just so excited um, but as you said, maybe we made a few tactically wrong decisions that year. Had a very young spine. It didn't work out. But, you know, I'm still excited to watch Toby play this weekend. So I still maybe haven't fully processed it yet. When I saw him named for the Bulldogs, I initially thought, well, I can't wait to watch this game now. I hope Toby does well. Yeah. Um, and maybe I'll feel that way for many years to come. I'm not too sure, but I'm still processing it. Happy that Toby's going to get an NRL opportunity. Of course, a little bit sad. It's not with us. As you just said there, I just want to point out the fact that he has only had that one game for us this season. Now, we obviously did go into the season with Tanner Boyd as our starting seven. And then when Kieran was out against the Dragons, we brought Toby Sexton in to play the six. And he actually probably is a better six. Like, he's a good seven, but he's also a good six as well. And Toby came in and actually scored on his last ever game at the club. He scored the winning try for us in that Dragons game at Seabus Super Stadium. Now, that was obviously like what, round seven, round six, round eight kind of deal. But fact of the matter is um, that he came in and he did his job. And then unfortunately in that game, he did his wrist. And that's why he wasn't able to be selected for the next four or five weeks. And then from there, it just doesn't seem like he's going to be able to get back to the team. The Dogs, obviously, they're coming off a 66-0 drubbing to another bottom four team in the Newcastle Knights. Not good times down there. Matty Burton obviously isn't looking like the seven there. He's looking like a six, so they want to go and find a seven. And what better than to go for a potential product in Toby Sexton, who has been lauded in the past. Obviously, did have a pretty good season in 2021 when he got that crack. The club decided to go with him. And yeah, it didn't work out, but the Bulldogs are getting a talent that really can uh, can really turn it on. So yeah, like you said, and uh, like I said before, I wish nothing but the best for him. And I can't wait to watch the game on this weekend, and I will definitely be supporting him throughout his career. Because although you leave the Titans, that doesn't mean that we don't love you. As long as you don't do anything wrong by this club, as long as you don't you know, uh, treat the club as a commodity and treat the club as just like a, another stepping stone... We're always going to love you. And for me, always going to love Toby Sexton. Yeah, brilliantly said. Once a Titan, always a Titan. But of course, that does come with a caveat of uh, the circumstances in which you exit the club. And um, yeah, we can't, probably can't say that for all halfbacks that have left our club recently. <laughs> um, I won't say anything further. Now, this one's a little bit controversial. So every Monday, the NRL does their briefing where they go and the media ask questions. And of course, everyone wants to know, what the hell happened with the David Feeder situation? Well, they actually tried to justify it. And in their view, Fafita grabbed Fogarty and pushed him. They said Fogarty was only competing for the ball and Fafita illegally grabbed him. And that's why Fogarty was unable to get to the ball. Not what I saw. And I sort of thought, okay, that's what can we do? The decision's been made. It might be time to move on. Um, and then they go further into the game and we get to the Alofiana, Khan Pereira, no try. 
and Graham Annesley, who was, I believe, our CEO at one point, he, um, he said that he said that he believes Alofiana Canpereira did take his advantage. That was an appropriate interpretation by the referee. So he deemed that 95-meter runaway try. We were at the game. I was a little bit more cool-headed than you, I would say. I know how passionate you are, and you were really <laughs> fuming at these two calls in particular. So maybe a chance to respond to those decisions there by the NRL and let us know whether you agree or disagree. Yeah, no, I definitely disagree in regards to the David Fafita no-try. Uh, to call that a no-try is absolutely ludicrous. To talk about the Alofiana Khan Pro one with Matty Tomoko running down the field, I think that is a lot more 50-50 than, than anything. But I, I also do say that the knock-on was in the end goal, which then was a 20-meter-7 tackle set, you know, set restart for the Raiders. So regardless, it actually should have been their ball at the uh, the 20. But the fact of the matter is, is that I, I think that for me... Uh, I'm really, really grinded about the David Fafita one because you can clearly see Jamal's not going for the ball. He's basically trying to block David's run. If David uh, goes down there, it's probably a sin bin for one and obviously a penalty to the Titans. But instead, you know, Dave... (laughs) What is he meant to do in that situation? I don't understand because, again, like I said, it it would have been a sin bin and a penalty to us if Dave goes down that situation. But as he's trying to get past him, then... Anyway, the point of the matter is, is that it really is confusing. It really is confusing that that was called a no-try. I really significantly disagree with it. And the fact of the matter is, it would be if it was just us and it was just Titans fans complaining about this, I'd be like, okay, we're probably biased. We're probably just seeing things from the you know um, Titans glasses only. But for the entire NRL community to come out and disagree with this call and say that it was incorrect and that the, the bunker needs to be held accountable and whatnot... It's just, it, it shows that there is obviously more to this, and it shows that there are a lot of people who have no affiliation with this game do also have that same ideology. So for me to, to see Graham Ansley come out and, and defend that, it just shows to me that it's just that we're getting lumped in with a whole bunch of other fan bases. They're not actually looking at it on a reasonable standpoint, and they're just trying to defend the referees as a collective and then utilizing that to just say, listen, you guys shut up, you guys... Just watch the games and enjoy the games, and we're going to do the officiating. So I feel like to not take accountability for that David Feed one is disgraceful. And yeah, I, I significantly disagree with it, and so does a lot of other people. Yeah, and that's the thing. I, I have to disagree as well. Look, the referee interpretation was that it was a try, and that was the interpretation of 99.9% of footy fans. Now, I get what, Gra- what Graham Annesley is saying. There's a push from David Feeder, but there's a push because Jamal Fogarty turns and blocks him off so instead of going down and faking, oh, I'll get the sin bin here, David Fitter actually forces his way past the obstruction to get to the ball and score. And that's where I think that the incorrect decision comes from. I get that Graham Annesley uh, has to kind of defend the referees in this, but show us the video. Show us the footage frame by frame. And you just, I don't really think you can you can explain it once you do that. As for the Alofiana Khan Pereira, I agree. I thought it was knocked on in goal which would constitute a seven-tackle set restart on the 20-meter line for the Raiders. Any knock-on in goal from the attacking team, the other team comes straight out to the 20 as per the NRL rulebook. Not sure why they were able to run away 90 meters there. Yeah, 100%, man. Yeah, no, and and again, it comes down to that one being more 50-50 than the other one. But as you said, it was given a try on field in regards to Fafita. So you need to come up with conclusive evidence to prove to us why it is guaranteed 100% a no try. And, And to not look at the... 
factors of what Jamal is doing. And didn't Graham also say that Jamal didn't step out or whatnot? Like, didn't he say that Jamal wasn't blocking him off? Because the referee should be the ultimate judge of that, not the bunker with their incredibly slowed down footage, which actually does also slow down footage, shows that he does go in the way of it. So I actually don't understand why the NRL thought this was going to be a beneficial topic for them to, to or beneficial kind of standing point for this. Because the fact that we all saw it, we all could see it, and people are still saying, well, no, that's just not how it was. Well, well, I guess if you're the NRO, you think, whoops, look at that score. Titans lost by four. If we'd lost by 40 points, I'm sure they would have come out and said, yeah, unfortunately, it was the wrong decision. But because the game kind of does hinge on that, I mean, not really. It's an 80-minute game at the end of the day, right? But if you do add that for Fee to try, at worst, if Tanner misses next to the post, we've got a draw game. Tanner so doesn't that could... miss, mate. Hey, hey, hey. Yeah. And, and that's what I said. Miss. And there's a big caveat on that because, yeah, you're right. He, he doesn't not miss. He was smashing him from the sideline. Um, so, yeah, maybe that's why the NRL has gone down that route. I don't know. I don't get it. Um, we could complain about it all day, but unfortunately, we can't change the result. The biggest news this week, we are going to save till the end for our Q&A section. That's because your guys' comments and, uh, sorry, questions just dominated. Of course, we're talking David Fita and Tino Fa'asumala Aoi. So hang around to the end for our Q&A section and we'll give our thoughts for that. But at this point of the show, we will recap our previous game before uh, going through our three, two, ones. We'll go around the grounds, go through our injury list. Then we'll review the team list and look forward to next week. So last round, Saturday, 3 p.m., we went down to the Raiders at GIO Stadium, 26 to 22. Um, a tough one, a, a really, really tough loss. I think the, the thing that hurts most to me, BKR, is we're now 10th on the ladder, they're fifth. Um, and I really felt like it was a winnable game for us. I will say, off the field straight away, before we get into the game itself, I still had a great weekend. It was great to catch up with yourself, obviously, and then meet all these new Titans fans and and be involved as a community together. Um, you know, we went to dinner together. We went to the game early. So outside of the result, I had a really, really great weekend. But yeah, over to you for the game itself. How did you see it and uh, any general thoughts? Yeah, in regards to the weekend, this is what it's all about, man. You know, obviously we get to watch rugby league and if we, we win, it's amazing. And then, you know, the time after is even better. Or if we lose, we still get to make up and have dinner and, and, and chat and have a laugh and stuff afterwards. You know, people only see for the game, you know, they insult people like myself or other people traveling and saying, oh, you, you wasted a trip because your team lost. It's like that game went for two hours. Right, we still live our life outside of that, so it's always a fun time meeting up with fellow Titans fans in the community. We, you know, we see people down there all the time supporting this team, and then we've also got the Gold Coast. We've got people up in Townsville. We've got people everywhere. So, although the result may not go in our favour, just going to the game and seeing the community that we've got around the front line and the the Titans fans and the Legion, it really is incredible. So, no, that's what makes these trips that. You know, I do and, and other people do so, you know, special because it's just so much fun, not just the game, but everything involved. In regards to the actual result, look, it was a disappointing one for sure. I still do believe that we go on to win that game if there were certain decisions called correctly, personally. I'm not going to sit here and just complain about it the entire time though, because if you want to see that, you can go and watch the live reaction on the vlog that I posted on BKR Sport. But overall, I think that it was definitely a winnable game. I don't know if I can say either team was the better team on the day realistically because we do have those controversial calls but we also do have the Titans who made a lot of mistakes and a lot of errors in key areas and you know unfortunately for Isaac Liu he made a couple of knock-ons again you know we had that problem with the Broncos last week and then this week against the Raiders so it's like although the Raiders win 
I, I also don't necessarily think they did anything spectacular, and I don't think they did anything special that really put us down even further than we are, or that really showed that they are a fifth place team to a tenth place team. But again, that shows a lot of the um, the current state of the NRL and where everyone is at. Everyone is so close together at the moment, and I think that our forwards matched them quite well. I thought that we didn't utilize a lot of our backs that we really could have in regards to the speed department. And yeah, I, I think that it was a very winnable game that we lost, but I also think, yeah, there's controversy surrounding it. And that's what frustrated me as well. Like I completely get there was some really tough decisions against us, but as far as what we could control, I felt like our composure was a little bit off. We had some really silly errors, particularly in that first 20. We really didn't build ourselves a solid foundation in this game. And it was really tough to watch there. Um, to our credit, we did defend really well. But the issue was, because we defended so much, we'd zapped our energy in attack. And so a lot of our attack was just one-ups, just playing for field position. Whereas we spoke on the preview show, we felt our best way to beat the Raiders would actually be to risk it a little bit and throw the ball around in these early tackles to use our speed out wide, which we, we were really limited in our momentum in that regard. Um, and the thing that I, you know, I'm not too upset about, though, a lot of our errors were just attention to detail things. It's not really something... I think our coaching staff will freak out and, oh my God, we need to overhaul everything we're doing at training. It's just little things like um, little stuff that like Isaac Liu knows he's got to catch that ball before he's looking to pass. Um, Maweki Fodawaka knows he's got to put the ball down and play it before he knocks it on. Professional players don't need to be taught that stuff. So it's small attention to detail stuff that I think we can turn around uh, relatively quick, but I can't help but feel we let the game slip away. Our points yeah. differential is still better than the Raiders. We've scored more. We've conceded less. They're in fifth. We're 10th. I didn't get that vibe watching that game at all. I didn't think we're not quite a final. After that game with the Raiders, I'm confident we can still make top eight and we can still beat teams in the finals. We've just got to get that little attention to detail stuff right and really uh, work on our start. But, I mean, the loss is super unfortunate, right, with how tight the ladder is. Um, yeah. We can probably realistically only afford to sit here two or three more times, I would say, and say stuff like uh, attention to detail or, or bad decisions before the season's over. It's just the nature of this ladder, right? Well, I think that this this week here is a really crucial. And I said this about the Raiders last week for different reasons. This one is if we lose to this game to the Dolphins, I really am going to struggle to see a way back into the top eight with our end of season schedule. Now, as you said there in regards to, you know, utilizing the backs and whatnot, we did that against the Broncos. And obviously we saw that Loffy absolutely burnt Selwyn. Now, I don't understand why we didn't really try to utilize our outside backs in regards to Lofty and whatnot, when you've got guys like Jared Kroger on the other team that we really can beat for pace. And unfortunately, it just didn't happen. And it just seems like we were a lot more tr trying to stabilize the game a lot more. And we saw that against the Broncos where they focused so much on defense and not so much on attack. And that's why the score was 18-12. This game, we did focus a lot more on the defense and there was more points scored for the opposition. And our attack is still is a little bit stale in a lot of ways. So it just seems like we've really changed direction, which shows the the impact of what Holbrook's game plan was to what this game plan was. And yeah, it, it was definitely frustrating in that regard. But again, I, I think that although we'll get to the Dolphins game in a second, it really does a season defined by this weekend because our origin players are out. And if we lose this game, we're going to be, what, four points behind, four, four to six points behind that top eight. And with a negative points differential, we need to really get a good win this weekend to make up for a game that got away from us last week. Because with the Raiders game, if we had won that game, we would have been in seventh position. Yeah, you're right. We would have been in seventh. And it is getting to that real business end where following this game, we've got Eels, Roosters, 
Cowboys, Warriors, and, and those three teams are all on very uh, sorry, four teams are all on very similar points to us on the. Don't ladder. forget, we've also so got Sharks away. We've also got Storm away. We've got yeah, Panthers at home. You know, we've Panthers got at home. All this, it's it's a tough run, and then you know we face our mate Toby Sexton against the Bulldogs in round twenty-seven. Maybe a rejuvenated Doggies team. You never know. Wolf, Wolf. So it is a tough run home, despite the fact that we do play six out of our last nine at home. Yeah, and they're all, every single game from here, needless to say, is extremely crucial to our season. Mm. Let's jump into our three, two, ones. I'll go to you first for your three points. I think I know who you're going to say. I'm probably going to mirror it. We seem to do this a lot recently, but he's just been on fire, hasn't he? Oh, absolutely. It's David Fafita every single day of the week. You know, you could see as well after the game that he was frustrated with, with how the result obviously panned out, but... It was so good to see him come over to the fans and take photos and, and sign autographs for the people who don't get to see him every week or uh, just, just to show the fans the appreciation that he does have for the club. And that's why, you know, as we'll get into, I, I do believe he appreciates the club more than the media do let on. But yeah, David just an absolute wrecking ball again. Uh, had a try, should have been a double. Uh, had a try assist as well. And just everything he's doing right now is just absolutely phenomenal on every level in regards to a balanced way of playing. Not just an attacking way of playing, better balanced way of playing in all different regards, attacking defensively and also just positioning wise. So yeah, very happy with how David Feeder played and you know, obviously uh, it was good to see uh, him really get into that Canberra pack. Yeah, it was great to see him get into that Canberra pack who desperately want him, but uh, fingers crossed will not get him. Yeah, Dave was my three <laughs> points as well. Absolutely. He was uh, immense and he's been that way for us all season. One thing about Dave was I dislocated my finger playing Oz Tag uh, about two or three weeks ago. And when he shook my hand after the game, I felt like he almost re-dislocated it. He is like, it's so strange to say, but just from shaking his hand, I'm like, oh my God, you are so strong. You know, there's such thing as a firm handshake blaze and there's such thing as a, this dude has ungodly strength. And that's what Fafita has. And that's what we saw. You've simply got to get two on him to stop him. Um, and then of course, if you do bring the, the second player in, Boop, or float over the top. We score that way as well. Two points. I'll kick us off. I went Tino Fa'a Sormala Aoi, our captain. Felt like his second stint was awesome, scoring a late try to get us back in the game. He had 174 metres, the most of any of our players. And I believe he had 37 tackles, which is also the most. It's it's pretty rare that you lead your team in hit-ups, metres gained, and tackles, and you're not the MVP. But Dave's X-Factor was just on another level. But for me, two points. Beat Tino, our captain. He was awesome again. Who gets your two points last week? Yeah, look, it's going to be crazy because we're, it's hard to not mirror each other when the guys are playing as to the ability that they do have. You know, we, we're both seeing the game at a very similar level that I have to give it to Tino Fasul Malawi again. Now, I will make a note of, however, that Tino seems to score a try really late in games that are already done. So I do look at that try and think that... Um, a lot of these times the game is already over and uh, you know obviously we had that last chance in the game where we ran the ball twice at the middle which was pretty silly but you know it just Tino seems to be right there right at the end he scored last seconds here against the Raiders he scored last seconds against the Dragons down in Cogra and there was another game um, maybe the was the Rapidos one maybe the Broncos at Sun, at Seabass I think it might have been the Broncos at Seabass anyway point of matter is I think, I think it might have been. Um, but yeah, look, Tino, he, he's fresh late. Hopefully we can stay in it late and he can get this try to win us the game at one point. But he's just a monster, man. You know, 108, 182 metres, uh, the one offload mm. and, and uh, line break. And 
yeah, I, I love what Tino does here, man. And it's funny that obviously the two guys in question are the two guys who had the best game from the weekend. You know, it's funny that you say we mirror each other with the three two ones, but you look at Tino's stats over the last three weeks. 37 tackles, 35 tackles, 34. Two offloads in all games. Uh, a line break in all three games and a try in all three games. So, yeah. I mean, it, it, it's his own fault. He's being too consistent and making it too easy for us. Uh, number one, another man that I, I feel like is here every single week as well, Moeki Fotuaka. Unfortunately, did have that bad moment at the end of the game with the knock-on. Uh, but outside of that, you know, he had his regular 160-plus metres, 30-plus tackles. I feel like Mo had a big game for us in the middle. Uh, probably not his best game this year, but in the context of the game and how fatigued we were, I thought he just kept ticking over the metres, kept ticking over the tackles, and was really, really good for us in the middle. Are you mirroring me with the one point, or have you got someone else? Oh, like I could mirror you with the one point, but I think that if I'm going to go elsewhere, I'm going to deliberately go elsewhere. I'm actually going to give a big uh, number one here to the Brim Dog Millionaire. I'm going to give it to AJ Brimson because nice. I think he was so safe out the back when the high balls were going up every time. And we saw some really good kicks going up as well that were so difficult. There was a little bit of wind around in Canberra and there was some good spirals. There was some just really awkward kicks to take. And AJ, I don't believe, made a single mistake. Every single time he grabbed it and ran a ball straight back into the line. Uh, I think he ran for like, what? Well, sorry, I think 175 metres or something like that. Yeah, 175 metres. Um, obviously, he didn't have to make a great deal of tackles. But the fact of the matter is, is that the stability right there is what really proves uh, why he is our fullback why he is our number one because you're just not nervous about what he's doing at the back you're comfortable with what he's doing at the back and we know that he does have that x factor too when he turns it on and that's why he's obviously playing for queensland next week as the number one in replacement for reese walsh who is suspended so yeah look i think that aj deserves a big shout out there for the number one could have easily gone with moaiki fodawaker uh, but i'll give it to the brim dog millionaire you know, I had this thing planned where when he came around to the fans after, like he always does, I was going to say, could I please get a photo with the Game 3 Maroons fullback? But I actually missed it whilst I was working. Um, and I did turn and show my laptop, actually. I said, hey, mate, how are you? Sorry, I'm on the job. And yeah. um, he, th he thought that was funny. But yeah, AJ's an absolute legend and, and a great pick there for the one point. At this stage of the show, guys, we will go around the grounds. Every week, we want to look at our reserve grade sides, see how they're traveling, and most importantly, see how our Titans are going. Uh, where we can be, hey, I'll go through the Bears and I will go through the Seagulls. So the Bears lose to the Falcons this week, Blaze, 24-18. So they do drop down to second on the ladder. Uh, but go ahead and tell us, how did our Titans go in this game? Yeah, so the Bears unfortunately do lose this one, which was a really frustrating one to lose as well because the Sunshine Coast Falcons are down there in ninth position. Now, obviously, those positions are, are really vying for that top eight battle and the Sunshine Coast Falcons still don't get into the top eight with that win but it was a crucial win for their season. Uh, but in regards to us, yeah, Keanu Kinney, again, 27 runs, 214 metres, most of anyone in the game. Absolutely fantastic performance from him. Uh, Tony Francis had a try and 138 metres. Uh, Thomas McKayley, who unfortunately hasn't seemed to even be able to lock in a spot this week here for the Titans, which was, uh, you know, interesting because obviously we do have quite a few forwards out. So I was thinking maybe potentially you might see a bit of Thomas McKayley. Uh, but he had 130 metres, three offloads and 24 tackles for one miss. Uh, so, no, he had a fantastic game there. Uh, we had also Isaac, who had most tackles in game at 42, also 112 metres. And Jacob Alec, who we've been talking about every week, 103 metres with 28 tackles and zero miss. So, he's obviously, his tackle efficiency is, uh, is just absolutely superb there. And he gets a crack this weekend, as we'll speak about. Uh, in regards to the ladder here up the top, the Burley Bears do go into second position. The only reason they're in second is their points differential comparatively to South Logan Magpies. 
South Logan have a plus 176, with the Burley Bears being plus 144, but they're both on the same amount of points there. Winner Manly right in behind there uh, with uh, plus 168, but they're on 24 points instead. So, yeah, Burley do drop off there with the South Logan getting a big win over the Western Clydesdale. Western Clydesdale's 48 to 22. And, uh, yeah, interesting up that top end of the table there. So what happened with the uh, with, with the Tweeted Seagulls? Yeah, interesting for the Bears. Falcons are that team where it really depends how many Storm players they have for the week as to how tough they're going to be. And it seems like um, most of the Storm's reserve grade side was there. Tweed beat the Devils 30-16. to 16. That moves them to seventh on the ladder. Now, this is a particularly good victory because the Devils did smash the Magpies last week, who are currently in first. So the Devils seem to be hitting a nice patch of form, but we managed to shut them down there. And of course, it propels us further into the eighth. Previously, we were sitting around that eighth, ninth region. Now we're embedded a little bit deeper there at seventh. So it was a great victory there. First man, I've got to give a big shout out to, Chris Leeming. I feel like he was the MVP. Scored the first try. Had 14 runs for 126 meters from dummy half. So really, really active there. Um, will be interesting to see how much more we use him this year. Now we know he is going back to Wigan next year. Also had two try assists, a line break and a line break assist. So as I said, I believe he was MVP in this one. Tommy Weaver, he defended really well. Of course, he wasn't with Toby Sexton. He was withdrawn due to the, the Bulldog situation. But Weaver, with a new house partner, defended really well. He had 20 tackles for just two misses. He took on the line nine times, and he had one line break assist. And Tremaine Spry moved from fullback back into the centers, more of a natural position for him, scored a try, and made 179 meters, which was the most of anyone in the game. So, yeah, our Bears are in second, Tweed's in seventh, and all our players there seem to be traveling along to, really, really uh... well. Quickly also mention Will Brimson, which is AJ Brimson's brother. He actually was playing in the, the 5-8 role for Tweed now that uh, now that Toby has uh, gone. They've pushed Weaver into that 7. So, yeah, interesting to see how he does get along there. Don't know a great deal about Will, um, but, you know, obviously he gets thrown into the mix and really looking forward to seeing how he goes there with Tweed. I'll just quickly go through the ladder here for everyone in regards to Tweed on, on the flip side of Burley. Tweed do go into seventh position on 20 points, and they're the same points as Central Queensland, who are on 20 points, but the plus 85 for Tweed does keep them above the plus 48 there of Central Queensland. Now, just above them is the Northern Pride and Dolphins on 21 points apiece, so they've both had a draw at some stage, and uh, that obviously means they don't care about points differential, and they're only the one point behind there. So, yeah, absolutely... Uh, a big chance of still getting up there into that top five position. And they're also only three points away from the East Tigers, who also had a pretty good win there over the Northern Pride over the weekend, a top eight or top six battle at the time, actually. So Tweed, uh, they still have the chance of really pushing into that top four. Uh, but then you look down below, Central Queensland just below them, and then Sunshine Coast are only one point below. So if Tweed do, in fact, lose, then they do have the opportunity of dropping out of that top eight with Sunshine Coast Falcons really on the... On the rise there. And Papua New Guinea Hunters are also not too far away. They're also on the draw. A lot of teams have had a draw here. So PNG are on 17. So it kind of is a, a benefit and a negative in a lot of ways there for Tweed. Uh, but PNG are three points behind with a minus 26. So yeah, look, a lot going on around that top eight. Townsville Blackhawks aren't exactly a great deal away. But you can kind of start to think their season's a bit towards the end now with only 15 points. They're five points behind Tweed. And uh, yeah, so both, at least both our teams are doing pretty well right now, both being very competitive. And next week's games, as in the week coming up right now, the Burley Bears have a tough trip to Papua New Guinea. They, even though Papua New Guinea are down there in 10th, 
PNG are playing for a top eight spot right now. So going to Papua New Guinea, which is just a brutal place to go against a team that is fighting for that top eight. That's going to be really, really interesting there. And then for the Tweeted Seagulls, they take on the Redcliffe Dolphins, who are in fifth position. That is in Tweeder. That is, oh, sorry, that's at Seabuster Stadium. I should actually mention that because that's that's the right. um, the game for Liam, Liam Hampson Cup. Yeah, the Hampo Cup there, which should be huge. So that's actually before the game. That's before the uh, the the Titans versus Dolphins game, which should be awesome. So definitely get out to watch that one. Uh, but yeah, so two big games coming up for them because the Dolphins are above Tweed. But you know, I'll back them in. Get around the uh, get around the Seagulls. Yeah, and that game's really, really important, guys. Seabus Super Stadium, one fifteen p.m. Um, if you can't make it there, you can catch. Plus website nine now or KO, and um, of course it, it's all to raise fund for the Liam Hampson Foundation. And of course Liam was a, a good friend of Will, who'll be playing in that game. A good friend of AJ, and did unfortunately pass away this off season. So if we can get down there, show a lot of support for the Hampson family as a Titans community. That would be a really lovely gesture. Mm. And of course, next year when we talk about that segment, we'll be reviewing our own Titans reserve grade squad. So um, something to look forward to in the new year as well. Our current injury list, Phil Sammy is currently on there, but of course he was named. Um, I did speak to him regarding his hammy. He said it was just purely precautionary. And Jim Lenahan did say post-game, he was 18th man. And if he needed to go out there, he would have went out there. So it was like super precautionary because well, we, we knew we had JoJo. We did speak to him at the game. Like we saw him warming up. You know, we saw him warming up, yeah. but we were confused and obviously... Phil wasn't playing, but obviously there must have been just a little tweak that did keep keep a precautionary take him out and put Jojo into the team. Uh, but yeah, Sammy did obviously tell us that he was going to be playing this week. So uh, good to see that he's ready to go again. Yeah, not even a tweak, just tightness, he said. Just like, just minor tightness, but they just didn't want to risk it because we know we've got Jojo there as well. And I don't have any mail on this, but Ken Mamalo, he didn't play last week for the Bears in Q Cup. I couldn't see anything on the NRL website regarding an injury. Uh, do you have anything on that? No, I'm not too sure about what what's happening yeah. there with with Kenny Mamalo. So yeah, is, are you like is it an injury or was he unfortunately just not able to be selected for the team? That's what I'm wondering because there was nothing reported. I'm wondering yeah. did they uh, did the Bears say no? We want to have one of our own wingers, for example. Um, we'll look into that, and if, if we can come up with anything, we'll update it on our pages, guys. Uh, yeah. But yeah, could be an injury there for Ken, but we can't say for sure. All right, that's, uh, that's last week. That's in the books, guys. Let's look forward to the new week. It's time to preview everything. We'll start always with our team list. Uh, AJ Brimson's out, so Jaden Campbell moves to fullback. Philip Sammy returns on the wing there. Uh, of course, no Tino, so Jamin Jolliffe and Isaac, his brother, start for us. Cleese Haas, I can see he replaces David Fafita in the back row. And a bit of a new look bench. We've got Chris Randall, Aaron Clark, Jojo Fafita, and Jake Alec who finally makes his NRL debut. And he's a guy we've spoken about a lot on this show, particularly in that previous segment, right? Yeah, 100%. Yeah, no, Jacob Arlick is incredibly exciting to watch. We've spoken about him quite a lot. And we, we spoke about him before as well. Zero missed tackles over the weekend. So, yeah, no, it should be awesome to see him get his opportunity. The interesting thing uh, I'm wondering, and I can see Kim Amalo's name as a reserve, actually, Blaze. So maybe I was incorrect with even thinking there was an injury. Potentially just had a week off. Um, so maybe disregard that there. Sorry, guys. But the interesting one that I want to go to straight away is Jojo Fafita on the bench. Can cover wing, can cover center. But I would have thought Keanu Kinney, who played hooker in his debut, plays fullback, um, can play wing or center. I would have thought he would have been our man there um, as a utility. Do you prefer Jojo in that role or do you think Kinney uh, might have been a bit unlucky to miss out? 
I think that Kinney's been unlucky to miss out here. That's not me disrespecting Jojo. I just think that he is a lot more limited in regards to the positions that he can cover. However, Jojo does have a lot more experience in regard... Like, he doesn't have a great deal of NRL experience, but he has enough NRL experience over the likes of Keanu Kinney. And we are going up against a Dolphins team that has a really, really tough forward pack and a really, really experienced team here uh, across the board. Whether you think it's quality or not, it's not the point. They are experienced there. So JoJo's a bit of a bigger body to what you'd get with Keanu Kinney. That's probably the benefit. Now, a friend of mine, Dano, has told me that JoJo has played a bit of back row at Tweed before. I'm not confirming this. This is just what he said when I questioned him about it. And he said he actually used to work uh, with Tweed. So... I'm going to trust him in that regards, but I haven't personally seen it. So maybe he can cover a, a back row position if necessary as well. Uh, but in the same sense, we've got Chris Randall, we've got Aaron Clark, and we've got Jacob Alec there who can play the 13. He can play the back row. And definitely with the size that he has, I've obviously seen him up close and in person quite a number of times. He can also play in that front row position. So really excited to see what Jacob Alec brings. But yeah, I think Keanu Kinney would feel quite unlucky here because... He has been absolutely crushing it for Burley. And I know Keanu well. We've spoken and he has mentioned quite a few times he's just waiting for his opportunity. He's happy to be patient. He's happy to just, you know, wait for his time. And he will get his time. And I guess it would be frustrating to not be able to get into this team with four players out and obviously our fullback and AJ going out. Uh, but the fact of the matter is, is that Keanu is a patient man, a quality player, and he will get his opportunity one day. Interesting point there on Jojo Fed. I was just having a look now on the Rugby League project. It's a pretty comprehensive website. It puts positions for reserve grade and everything. Mm-hmm. Um, I can't see anything there for back row. I can see uh, bench. I'm going to get into Dan. So, I'm going to smack. I'm going to get into Dan. He's a, he, uh, tell you what. <laughs> there's, there's a possibility he came off the bench and played there or shifted there in a game, uh, but I, I can't see anything um, there in particular. Let's talk uh, about our opponents real quick. The Dolphins. Uh, the key changes to them, Ewan Aitken moves into the centres with Hamaso Tabuai Fido unavailable. So Nick Aruma remains at fullback. Jeremy Marshall King is named, but I don't think he'll play. Wayne Bennett said at the press conference that his season could be over. I can't see how an experienced coach like Bennett is saying season potentially over and then you're playing next week. Unless there's some serious misinformation there. I think he'll require at least this week off with his AC joint injury because... Whenever we talk AC joint shoulder injuries, um, and, and I've learned this all from the NRL physio over the years, it's not a it's not a matter of can you play. You can play, but it's how can you manage the pain. And you have to manage that pain over the entire season until subsequently receiving the surgery. It seems premature to come back one week after not being able to finish the game due to it. Felice Carfusi is out for them. Uh, he will not return from the concussion he suffered last week. Jared Wallace, Anthony Milford uh, are both back from their suspension. So... A few changes for them as well. A few changes for us. Uh, but yeah, let's jump into it. Sunday, 4 p.m., Seabus Super Stadium. We take on our new rivals, the Dolphins. I was, I was going to swear then. I'll say a <laughs> bloody... And you know me, I don't like to swear on podcasts or anywhere on my page. A bloody tough loss at Suncorp last time. We were both oh, there. No, we weren't sitting together for that one, but uh, we were both pretty heartbroken afterwards. But that actually makes me a little bit confident, can I be honest, Blaze? Because I just think we saw what revenge factor can do for the Cowboys, right? The Cowboys were thumped by the Tigers. A few weeks later, they turned it around and they thumped them 74-0, the highest ever score, winning margin in the NRL era. I go back to how embarrassed I was at Suncorp sitting there as a Titans fan and how bad it hurt. And it's not to make it about me because I know the players were hurting more. And I think that's great motivation that we can really, really use 
my biggest concern though is we are missing our origin stars and i mean they were they were all three of them were my three two ones just then and your one was aj who's also out in origin so i'm a little bit concerned with that our origin stars do you share that same concern yeah, for sure. I want to go over a brief little thing there as well in regards to you saying that the players were obviously hurting more. I'm going to say that as much as I absolutely love these boys, I also know that it's not it's it's not entirely true there because as fans, we rely upon something that is out of our control. Now, I know the boys absolutely really, really hated that and they found that one extremely tough on every regards. But I wouldn't discredit how we're feeling there in the same sense because obviously we... We turn up every single week, you know, we, we really put all of our efforts into supporting this emotionally, financially, physically, and mentally into our team. And to have that 26-0 up there, you know, you're confident, you're feeling like it's game over, you're feeling like it's done. And then to have that completely taken away from you, you know, and then be just insulted by the NRL community, you know, have the Dolphins fans getting at you, even though they don't even really exist, they're just Broncos fans in disguise. You know, the fact of the matter is, is that so much does overwhelm the fans in this regards and they are the ones who are obviously getting out there and supporting this team so I'd find, I'd say that it's just as much appropriate to say that that we both felt the the pain of that loss just as much there obviously just not as much physical pain as the boys would have in regards to a real physical game there with the Dolphins at Suncorp um, you know obviously yeah I'm, I'm interested to see how we go without our origin stars there it's going to be a really really difficult game and a crucial game if we can win this without our boys and we did keep a lot of the games early on this season really close and unfortunately in the Dolphins game we also had a couple of players out there as well so you know it was a it was this game was what we were looking forward to to see our players get back in and have a full team to go up and and absolutely give them a slap and but unfortunately that's not to be so it is really frustrating especially against a forward pack that does have the likes of Jesse Bromwich, Herman SASA, uh, Kenneth Bromwich, you know Ray Stone and uh, Jared Wallace off the bench. I can tell you right now, if there's ever a player, if there's a player right now that I want to see this Titans team smash, I want Jared Wallace smashed. I want Jared Wallace absolutely drilled into the ground here, man. Because after what he said, like I I used to have a personal relationship with Jay Wall. He would always help me like come onto the vlogs and whatnot. We'd have a chat, you know, it'd be, it'd be great. But the way that he, he trashed us after that Titans-Dolphins game and the way that he's... he's made snide little remarks towards our club, really grinds at my gears. I didn't have any hatred for the man leaving the club, but I have a severe dislike for the way that he has spoken about a club that really gave him every opportunity he could, you know, in the NRL. And he was here for a long time. I know how sad he was to leave last year. And then has the ability to come out and put a negative just a lot of negatives towards our club, whether it be through their documentary or through, you know, the the uh, conversation after the game alongside the likes of Wayne Bennett. There should be so much passion and so much fuel here to the fire for this Titans team to really give it to this Dolphins team after the way that they went at us through their coach and players. So for me, yeah, I, I really want to win this game. Uh, as much as I wanted to win that Broncos game, I think this is a massive revenge game. So it goes to what you're saying that the revenge really is a key point. And I'm going to really make a focus of this this week. And I hope the boys do too, because we need to get one back on a team that disrespected the name of the Gold Coast. They are below us and I want them to stay below us. I don't believe they can go above us with this game unless they won by a huge margin. Uh, but I really, yeah, I want to put them into the ground, the Dolphins team. Make sure you get that clip and show it to the boys at training because Jared Wallace gave himself, he did he did himself no favours there. I mean, we literally said maybe half an hour ago how we love players even when they leave the Titans, mm. except for certain situations. Um, yeah, I've, I've got some good memories of Jared over the years for our club, but that is probably one of those situations where there's not, 
it's tough to come back from when you yeah. when you say stuff like that needlessly. Uh, what hurt as well was the fact that he had a try assist and a try against. He played probably his best game of the season. He did have a good game, yeah. That's that's the thing. It really grinds my gears. He did have a good game. We can't be allowing him to have a good game. But I really hope our boys fire up here to get one back at you because the way that Jared's been speaking about this club is disrespectful to a team that gave him so much over the years. So that's all I have to say about Jaywell. Um, but I really hope that he gets there's there's a highlight package of him getting drilled into the ground this week. <laughs> I won't go that far, but uh, I might go that far. Wink, wink at the camera. No, but where I'm most worried without our origin players, if I can be absolutely honest, is Dave Afida. Um, I, I know most people would suspect I'd say our skipper and tenor, but Dave has created nine try involvements through himself or an assist in the last five games for us. So we're going to need to find that X factor outside of Dave. Um, it could be Jojo Fafita off the bench. It could be Jaden at fullback. I'm not quite sure where it comes from yet. It could be Cleese Haas who returns for us as well. I'm not too sure where it comes from yet, um, but we will need some X Factor with Dave missing. On their side of the fence, I think they'll really miss Jeremy Marshall, King, Hammer, and Carfusi. Um, yeah. A team that doesn't have as much depth as us, and that's no shot at the Dolphins at all. It's, they're in their first season. Really, really tough to build depth in such a short amount of time. So although we're, all teams are missing players um, and, and we are missing more origin stars, I do trust our depth a little bit more um, than I trust theirs. Where I go to for their biggest strength, ours being our depth, of course, we've been able to replace our players with a little bit more talent. I have to go to their bench players, if I'm absolutely honest. Now, our bench will be Chris Randall, Aaron Clark, Jojo Fafita, and Jacob Arlick. They'll be coming up against Josh Kerr, Mark Nichols, Anthony Milford, and the man we mentioned, Jared Wallace. So I do feel like they've got a lot more size on that bench through Kerr, Nichols, and Wallace. And I do think Milford could come on and be dangerous for them, potentially. Milford can be hit and miss, right? But if he's at his best, he could be dangerous for us. Anyway, you go to for our biggest strength and their biggest strength? I think our biggest strength will be in the halves, which is funnily enough, considering there has been a lot of questions about the halves at points this year. But I think Tanner Boyd has really started to, to wake up and, and, and really starting to, to progress nicely. He's not a perfect putter by any means just yet, but I think he is uh, producing quite nicely. And also we do obviously have his don't uh, miss conversions there. But Kieran Foran as well, you know, I thought he had a pretty solid game against the Raiders as well. So I think these guys, there's a lot more experience here than Asai Katoa and Sean O'Sullivan. Now O'Sullivan comes back into the team in the halfback from from a little bit, and and he's a good player. And Asai Katoa has been fine, but I do think that I'm more excited about what Kieran Foran and Tanner Boy can do as a pair than Asai Katoa and Sean O'Sullivan, despite what they were doing earlier on this season. I just do have more faith in our halves there. So although people are going to look at the, the back line of, of a, a Philip Sami and Lafayette Camperera against Tessie New and Jermaine Sarko or Jaden Campbell versus Nick Arima, I'm looking at our halves there to really get it going there and, and really prove the dominance that they really can in regards to their kicking game and in regards to the elusiveness. Kieran Foran has won a premiership before. He knows how to get these games going. And when he's not injured, he is absolutely playing phenomenal. So I'm really, I really think that our halves are going to get the job done here. I think the thing that I'm scared about the most, uh, I, I would be the most concerned with, is our defense on a guy like Valencia Tefarre. Because I think Tefarre has been really good this season when he's been on. He's a big bloke. He is an absolute Tonka tank, man. This guy is massive. Like, he is a train of a human. And he can really run over the top. Now, I, I am a little bit concerned with our center's defense there of a guy like Tefarre. So, yeah, that for me would be a big, big concern in that department. And, yeah, look, in regards to the forwards, I think it's pretty common knowledge to say that our forwards aren't as experienced 
as what the uh, the Dolphins experience is. However, that could also work in my favor. Big Jimmy being the main leader, you know, maybe had a little bit, he, had, he ran for a lot of meters against the Raiders, but also had a little bit of an off game against the Raiders, just didn't have that same crazy impact like he normally would. Need him to stand up and be the leader. You know, Isaac Fasul Malawi has been, he's had a couple of games now, so hopefully he can really fire up behind Jimmy, and then we can utilize the likes of uh, Jake Valak if we wanted to put him in there, um, Aaron Clark if we wanted to put him in there, uh, and, and also, I could even say that you could throw in a guy like Isaac Liu into that front row, tell him, don't worry about passing, run the ball as hard as you possibly can, and then ch chuck Jacob Alec in the 13, or obviously Aaron Clark in the 13. Uh, you know, we had the backer of Cleese Haas and Joe Stimson against the Tigers, and we got the job done there. We were concerned about it, but they got the job done. So I think that a lot of people are underestimating this forward pack. Sam Verrills is so good. Like, Sam Verrills is so underrated, it's actually illegal. It's ridiculous to, to see how underrated this man is. I think that he's definitely got the job done over the uh, of the over the opposition hooker, and you just don't see it, but it's there. Like Sam Verrills is just there. So no, I'm really excited to see what our four pack can do, but I do understand the concerns surrounding it. I think it's a great call with Tino and Mo unavailable. I'd be really tempted, maybe after the 20 minute mark, to shift Isaac Liu straight into the front row and bring Aaron Clark on to consume that playmaking role for us. That's I could find for this one that matter. Uh, we've won five of our past seven at home. Dolphins have conceded 160 points in their last four games. So that's an average of 40 points per game. I think that shows us there, there's points us, there's points there for us to score. And we know we're a very good attacking team. So I'm going to tip us to, if they're averaging 40 per game, I think we can score at least 26. That's been our magic number for a lot of this season. I think we can score at least that again. And then my confidence rating says we can defend 26 points. I believe we can do that, even on a hot Sunday, Arvo. So I'm feeling confident in this one. I think we will get the win. I won't go 13-plus this week. I will go 1-12. to 12. Um, As I said, I think we'll probably be around that 26-point mark, and I think maybe they'll be around the 16, 18, 20-point mark. Uh, your final tip for this one. Yeah, I'm going to go... I'm... You know what? I'm going to back us in this week. You backed us in last week. Unfortunately, it didn't go for you. But And I said 1-12 to the Titans, and I still believe we won that game 1-12, realistically. Uh, but in regards yeah. to this week, I think that we can really shock. I really think we have a shock factor here to get that revenge, as we spoke about. I think we need to get that revenge. And I really think that we need to prove ourselves that we can get by without these guys and, and really show to the likes of Dave and Tino that this team is absolutely going forward. And even without them, we can really pump it up and then you guys really get it going to that next level. So I'm really confident in a win here this week. I am actually going to go 13 plus. Mate, I absolutely love it. So there you go. I'm going Titans 1-12. to BKR is going... 13 plus that wraps up our preview for the game and of course we'll be back next week to recap it now usually for these podcasts whether you're on apple spotify or watching on youtube we aim for around that hour mark we might go slightly over that this week guys yeah. uh, but just be considered i suppose that the fafita and tino news is so massive in the context of our our club they are two biggest players that um probably have to cut us a little bit of slack if we do go over but we do uh, apologize so we'll go to our Q&A section. If you do want to ask a question, the two best places to do that are via the BKR Sport Instagram story or via the Gold Coast Titans Frontline Podcast. That's a Facebook group. You can apply to join that and we will let you in straight away. It's also a good place to talk about the footy every week. So our first question comes from Patrick Erickson. And he says, what makes you so confident Dave and Tino won't leave? I know you're super passionate about this. You've been showing your support on online and, and all over Instagram with this one. So 
I'll go over to you first to answer this one. I get off the plane from Canberra, mate. I get off the plane from Canberra, and the first thing I see is people saying that Dave and Tino are leaving, you know, a buzz or Brent Reed or whatever has come out and said that there's obviously a contract clause there and that they're going to be, you know, obviously losing, the Titans going to be losing Dave and Tino. The reason why I'm so confident, the reason why I'm so passionate these guys won't leave is because Tino just a few weeks ago made an incredibly passionate video and an emotional video about why he loves the Gold Coast and why the Gold Coast is his community and why he wants to win a premiership for us. If Tino was to leave, that would make him look incredibly silly. And I understand there is a lot of factors that goes into decision-making, but... I understand Tino and Dave loved Justin, but we've also got an experienced coach in to replace Justin and hopefully put us onto a better track than what we thought we were getting with Justin Holbrook. We've got Des Hasler, who's won multiple premierships. He's going to be a hard-nosed approach, but the fact of the matter is, is that there's no way that you would want to leave this club because of that, in my personal opinion, especially considering the love that Tino has said that he has for the Gold Coast community and the Gold Coast team and the Gold Coast club and the city. Like, it makes no sense to me. So I have no worries or dramas in regards to Tino personally. In regards to Dave, it realistically should be the same thing. It, it, it should absolutely be the same thing. He's received massive offers from Canberra before. He's received massive offers from the Broncos and he didn't take it. So what's changed now? We've now got a more experienced coach. I, I would have absolutely no idea why he would do that, especially considering that every time I see Dave and every time I see Tino, they just embody what this club is trying to achieve. You know, they are winners. And this club is now getting a winning coach. So I don't know. I, I have no reason to believe from my personal experiences with either of these two guys. And I have no reason to believe based off of what the money could offer them based off of what we've seen in the past where they've said no to those offers to stay on the Gold Coast. I think there's a massive media beat up. I think they're really trying to put the, the stick to foot in and, and really kick us when we're down. After that raise one, where they know the fan base is riled up after a controversial loss. There was a controversial loss there in Canberra. So they know, you know what? We're going to shit on this club right now. We're going to get into this club right this very second and really fire up this fan base where they're going to get comments, they're going to get clicks, they're going to get likes, they're going to get concerned and potentially derail any chance of us making the eight. What is the reason for this? The Tigers just had a historical loss. The Bulldogs just had a historical loss. Two Sydney-based clubs there. We've just gone for Ben Hunt and the Dragons, whatnot. So we've we've just had this, this two, two Sydney-based clubs have historical losses. We're not focusing on that. Instead, let's focus on the Titans and also let's really kick into them based off of the apparent handling of the Ben Hunt negotiations with another Sydney-based club. I think this is a media beat-up. I think that uh, the boys will re-sign. I'm very confident that they are uh, with this club and with this fan base. And um, yeah, I have no doubts about it. I can see where the concern comes from with Tino's manager saying, uh, this is a direct quote from his manager, by the way, Steve uh, Mamino or... I'm not sure how to pronounce his surname there, but Marmino seems the most appropriate. He says, at this stage, we're not rushing. Tino wants to focus on playing Origin for Queensland and win 3-0. And next week, we'll sit down and start weighing up our options and see what happens moving forward with the Titans. Ideally, Tino doesn't want to leave. He really likes the Titans and he's a loyal kid, but he will make the best decision for his future now that Justin is not there. Now, the reason why I don't care about that quote was his manager said the exact same thing last time. And if you guys aren't aware of Tino's contract, Pretty much every single year is a player option where he can leave in November. 
one, you don't do that as a club unless you're extremely confident he's going to stay regardless and you're building a culture that he wants to stay around, which we are. But two, as I said, his manager said the exact same thing last year when these rumors came out that Tino can leave. He's a free agent. His manager said the exact same thing. Um, and, and in fact, he actually added to it further. His manager was saying stuff like, we'll meet with Wayne Bennett and the Dolphins and hear what they have to say. So his manager said this sort of thing before. I'm not too concerned uh, for what it's worth, I guess, unofficially. Tino Far Sumali's wife did like your comment on Instagram that says that he's not going anywhere. I don't think your wife would be sort of liking comments say, saying that if it's not the truth. Yeah, um, I'll, I'll just quickly jump in with that one. So uh, just to clarify for everybody, I uh, yeah, I put up a a comment saying this is absolute dribble nonsense and blah 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 blah. And and obviously we, there has been people who've noticed that Geordie did did like that comment. So is it official? No, but in the same sense, why would she be liking that comment if it was uh, you know, illegitimate and, and there was any inkling that he could be leaving. And just to, to really you know, dig deeper into that, Johnny does play for the Titans netball team. So obviously Tennant's family is really encapsulated by this club right now. And you've got a David as well, who Shaley Bent plays for the women's team in the NRLW for the Titans. So it's not like these guys should just be picking up and leaving. You know, it, Shaley will be on the Gold Coast. Why would then Dave go to Canberra? It would make no sense. And I know that everyone, every team on the planet wants a guy like Tino or, or Dave, but Tino's not going to just do that either, in my personal opinion. I think this is a media beat-up, and that's why, yeah, I'm, I'm very confident. And that was my first point with Dave as well. I mean, his his girlfriend had the option of going to the Raiders for more money with him, and they both turned it down to play here on the Gold Coast. Mm. Um, the, the, the big question for Dave is his next contract with us, or his current contract, I should say, because when we talk about them having to re-sign or whatever, really, it's just the contract continuing as normal. It's about 800 grand. The dra- the the Dragons, sorry. The Raiders now want to offer him $1 million. But you have to remember, and Zach Lomax would know this very well, in Australia, you get taxed. <laughs> it, it's, a, it's an inside joke. If you don't, if you don't know... You, it, no, people who Zach. follow me know that it's a public joke, but yeah, that's funny, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's a not-so-inside joke. But as, as Zach Lomax will... As Zach Lomax will teach you out the out the back of Seabus Super Stadium uh, to the <laughs> keyboard warriors, you get taxed. And once you start earning a million dollars per year, you get taxed 45% of that. So for Dave, it's not really a 200k increase if he goes to the Raiders. It's more like 105,000. And then you've got to stuff around with getting your missus out of the contract and get her room in the Raiders salary cap and start a whole new life in somewhere that's not as nice to live as the Gold Coast. Yeah, with all due respect, I don't see the Clarkie, appeal. you know, are you going to go from the Gold Coast to Canberra? No, you live in Canberra, but like, come on, man. Yeah. Like, come on, man. You've got Burnley or you've got, uh, where's, we'll go with Queanbeyan where you are. <laughs> yeah, Queanbeyan's not too bad. No, but in all seriousness, I've lived in both. I know which I'd, I'd move to if I could in a heartbeat, right? And so I don't see the appeal for either player to leave at the moment. I know, and let's just go straight into just that, just the family aspect of it all. His partner plays for our Gold Coast Titans netball team and David's partner plays for the Gold Coast Titans NRLW team. We are a community club. The Gold Coast as a whole is a great community and those two men are very important to our community. So I'll be very surprised if they suddenly pack up and leave um, because the culture we're building at our club is really awesome and I think it should continue to grow under Des Hasler. Absolutely. Leads into our next question from Izzy Renson. And they ask, how many players are we going to lose due to the way Holbrook was sacked? I think straight away, 
I want to clear this up because Justin came out to the newspapers and said, I was shocked. I didn't see it coming. And that was the information we reacted off at the time because that was the only information we had in our emergency podcast. Hmm. However, it has since been revealed he had a clause in his contract that stipulated you must be in the top eight by round eight this year. If you are not, you will be sacked. And the club was the club did not sack him. I said, we're going to give you another chance. We then lost to the Bulldogs and we blew a 26-point lead against the Dolphins. Mm. Not really great signs that, okay, well, you didn't meet the clauses in your contract, but we're going to keep you because the performances are suddenly looking good. They weren't looking any better. So just get, we just need to understand that. I know Justin might have personally said he was surprised, but he had a legal binding contract that said you must meet this key performance indicator, and he did not. So personally, he might have been surprised, but professionally, and if he had have read the contract, then he should have surely understand what's going on there. Let's have a look at who's off contract for us before you answer this question. I've got off contract 2023 via the Zero Tackle website, Tony Francis, Brian Kelly, Thomas McKayley, and Joseph Vuna. So realistically, out of those four men, uh, do you see any of them leaving due to the way Justin was sacked or just leaving in general? I don't think it's to do with Justin being sacked. That's man. what I mean. I think that, yeah. yeah, it's just due to the fact that, one, Desi probably won't be after them. I think that Desi will come in and want to implement his own team, as we've spoken about. So, look, I know there's a whole notion from a certain part of the fans. Like, there is probably, I'd say, 30% of people who are still incredibly distraught and upset at the way Justin Hobbit was let go. There's probably another 30% of people who... Don't necessarily like the way Holbert was let go, but are excited for the future. And then there's the other 40% of people who are really excited for what can happen here with, with Des Hasler and bring a potential premiership to the coast. Because a lot of people, as much as I love Justin, I knew Justin well. Everyone at the club knew Justin well. He's a great bloke. He was a fantastic human. But that does not mean, it does not mean that he's going to win a premiership with us. And that's ultimately our goal. So, the nice guy doesn't always kind of get the chocolates, man. And it really is frustrating. But this is a business. This is not a friendship group. We're not singing Kumbaya, circling around, you know, uh, you know, a campfire right now. We're trying to win a premiership. And we're trying to win it now rather than, you know, just kind of hold each other's hands and, and say everything's going to be okay. So as much as I love Justin as a bloke, it was the right call based off of the facts that have come out in regards to that. They gave him another opportunity. And now we've got a guy who has that premiership winning ability because he's done it before. So for me, I, I don't believe we lose any players due to the Holbrook sucking. I do believe that we lose players because Desi's going to want to bring in new ones and, and get rid of ones that don't necessarily fit his system. But no, I wouldn't say due to the way Holbrook was sacked that we lose any players individually. Yeah, in the same way that like, you know, if, if you decide today, you know, I don't really care about my YouTube content. I'm not going to edit my vlogs. I'm just going to film on my phone and, and just do it on CapCut and throw it out there. Whatever happens, happens. You're not going to gain as many subscribers, right? Um, people don't just do stuff for free. And as you said, it's not a big friendship group. If I don't turn up to work and provide high quality services, work aren't going to say to me, you know what, but you're a great bloke. So we'll keep you on. Um, you you got to get results at the end of the day and you got to produce high quality stuff. It's as simple as that. Now, I don't think any of those four players will be moved on or, or will leave, sorry, because of the way Holbrook was sacked. If I had to narrow out players that I think will, won't will be re-signed, I, I probably think my mind goes straight away to BK and, and probably Joe Vuna. 
and that's just, that's not saying that's what I want to happen. And I am only, I suppose, speculating with that. Uh, but they would be the two, and that's just due to the depth that we have in the positions that they play currently. But if they were to be moved on, I'm not saying they will be, but if they were, it would not be due to the Justin uh, Holbrook thing at all. Final question from the Q and A this week's from Julie Toulon. And she asks, do you think this thing with the Canberra offer is real? From what we have heard, it's a four-year deal worth $4 million. And Ricky Stewart did confirm to News Corp newspapers that he's lodged that offer. And Dave Feeder's manager informed him that he is indeed a free agent. So we kind of touched on it before, but anything else you'd like to add to the situation? Yeah, I'd say it's legit, but that doesn't mean anything. I think it's sensationalism by the media to, to put forward that Tino and Dave are unhappy. And that's the way it's being put forward. It's not being put forward from a non-bias standpoint. And this is why I genuinely believe the media has a negative agenda towards what we're doing as a club right now and what we're trying to achieve. Because I think as well that they're really ticked off that they knew nothing about Des Hasler signing and that they were just as surprised anybody else. Because when you're the news... You want to be the first to, to put that news out there. It's the big story. You got there first. We didn't allow anybody into those conversations or the discussions, and, and no one knew about it. So I do feel like this is a bit of revenge here from the media to really put our club into the dirt and say, you know what, you do this to us, well, we can do this to you and put you on the back foot. So that's why I think this win against the Dolphins is so important. We've had all this negative publicity. We've had, obviously, that previous game against the Dolphins. We've had their players and coach coming out negatively, you know, putting us down and saying, you know, just really negative stuff around us. So many things going against us. Let's come out here. Let's win it for Hampo for starters. Let's win it for Liam Hampson. A big game for, you know, obviously in honor of him. And and really, let's just prove that we are the team that we're coming forward. They're starting to get nervous. They know we're coming. They know we're coming. I, I don't care what other opposition NRL fans say. We're coming. And we're putting the, place, the steps in motion to win a premiership within the next couple of years. And I'm excited. I back it in. I believe in it. And I'm ready to go. And for me, I mean, I, the, the, in respect to the question, do you think it's a real thing? Yeah, it's real. But in the same way that if Manly came out today, if Cleary was suddenly a free agent and Manly offered him a million dollars, you think he's going to leave Penrith where his dad is and stuff like that? Like the story could be real, but it's just, you know, oh, applying sure that critical Canberra thinking. Want him. I'm sure Canberra want him. That doesn't mean Jack though. Like realistically, yeah. like I'm sure Canberra want him, but so... Does everybody, but that doesn't make it a realistic option. I'm, I'm sure that Wigan want him. I'm sure that St. Helens and the London Broncos want him. I'm sure that bloody the New England Patriots want him, but that doesn't mean he's going to be going. You know, with his tackle breaking ability, he probably would make a good running back over in New England, to be fair, Dave. But yeah, I think we've applied enough critical thinking to that as to why we think they won't leave, but we're certainly not under any impressions that the stories might not uh, might be true we think they are true we think that both are free agents but we're both extremely confident that we will be able to retain both of our men well to this point of the show we will close it down guys but we do want to say thank you very very much for being with us for our recap of what was a tough whilst there to the Raiders and our preview for what promises to be a big big win I will just say for myself before we say goodbye if there's any confusion as to who wins this week you bring a dolphin or land baby and you give me a Titan with the two big swords that we used to have on our logo. We are chopping that. I was going to swear again. We are chopping that mammal up. I don't know if they're mammals. We are, we are <laughs> chopping that aquatic thing. And we are having sushi on the coast, baby. So get down there. 
for the for Liam Hampson. Let's do it in honor of Liam. Let's have a big win this week, guys. Go the mighty Gold Coast Titans. I love everyone. I love this community. Best club in the NRL. Over to you, Blaze, to say goodbye. Not exactly right. Not fins up, baby. Let's cut them fins off. No more. Don't worry, son. If you're a Dolphins mm. fan coming to my stadium, I'll be slapping that Dolphin right off the top of your head there. I'm excited for this one. You guys need to get out there, support the boys in revenge game, and really get out there and support this team against a local rival now and against the media and their negative agenda towards us. I really feel like we've got to get out there in numbers, support the boys a beautiful Sunday afternoon. Hopefully it's not raining like it is right now. But a beautiful Sunday afternoon at Seabus. You can't ask for more than that. So get out there, support the front line, support the Legion, support the Titans, and support Liam Hampson in honor of a great mate of the community of the Gold Coast with Tweet at Seagulls and also the Redcliffe Dolphins. Get down there for the early game as well. We really appreciate you guys here. Obviously, if you're here on YouTube, hit that thumbs up button. Subscribe if you're new. Get into the comments section. Let us know your thoughts as well. If you have a question for next week's episode, chuck it at any point throughout this week. Chuck it down, and we'll try and get it in for the next Q&A. Uh, but yeah, that should be uh, that should be it for, for today. So we appreciate you. Up at the Titans, baby. Big win coming up. Let's slap it down. Get out of here, Jared Wallace, you muppet. Fins down. Dwayne Bennett, you're a paid actor and you got nothing, son. Go to the Titans. Dwayne Bennett, you're a paid actor. <laughs>